This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Let's admit it, telling someone you're an architect is pretty cool, because whether they understand it or not, being an architect does sound pretty cool. But for those of us who have been at it a while, being an architect has its challenges, and it is definitely not for everyone. Welcome to episode 93, the top 10 reasons not to be an architect. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we are following up on episode 92, where the topic was the top 10 reasons why someone should be an architect. And we're following it up with the top 10 reasons why you shouldn't be an architect. Yep. Here to tell you why not. Yes. (laughs) It's just how it was when I wrote the blogs 12 years ago, right? They yeah, came out yeah. back to back. So we decided that since it's, we're a couple of days away from the 12th anniversary of that post, so this seemed like an appropriate time to dust it off and revisit it. And you know, I'll tell you, just like last time, this one's a little bit different. So this is one of three posts that I think really put lifeofanarchitect.com on the map, you know, from a internet yeah. standpoint. From the interweb standpoint, yeah. Yes. And I actually hate it. <laughs> this one? Yes. And, you know, the thing is, so I went and I looked it up as of today when we're recording. This is the fifth most popular blog post I've ever written. The reason why at number five, I don't kill myself over it. It's because the reasons to be an architect is number four. (laughs) (laughs) It's one step ahead. It's one better. But, you know, for a really, really long time, the reasons not to be an architect was way out in front of actually, of being one. It bothered me. Yeah. In fact, I reached out to a friend of mine who was, I guess I could call him a mentor, this guy that I was friendly with. And I said, you know what? This is really making me feel bad because I like being an architect. I'm proud of what I do and I'm proud of what I think when I stand on, you know, at the pearly gates or, you know, wherever I end up being, (laughs) that I look back on my career and I'll say, you know what, I was a good architect, but I gave something back and I gave something back to profession and that actually matters to me. And so it bothers me that I wrote a post that so many people are like, oh yeah, here's the reasons why not to be an architect. I was like, no, wait. Yeah, what you gave back was the reasons not to do it. To not not do it. And it really bothered me for a long time. Yeah. And I actually wrote a post about how how much it bothered me. <laughs> so That's number six on yeah, the most no. <laughs> that one that one's I don't know. I never looked where that one is, but it's pretty far down on the list, I'm sure. But yeah. just like last episode, when we talked about the top ten reasons to be one, we're gonna talk about the reasons not to be one. But we're going to go through the original list and we're going to determine if it's still applicable. Meaning like, did I hit the mark? Did I miss the mark? Is it still valid? Like, was my view, is my viewpoint today still valid? Or did I just completely blow it? And I can tell you, I did a little sneak peek. I completely blew it on one of them. I kind of go, oh, that's totally wrong. <laughs> it's not even close. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. Yeah. That I want to skip it, but I can't, right? No, we're not skipping it. You can't. My question on this one is, is do we want a good grade or a bad grade on this one? You know, we kind of gave you, you kind of gave yourself a B minus, and I said C plus on the last list. So do we want this one to be an A or do we want this one to be an F so that it was all wrong? No. Right? And that's... Well, okay. So I don't know. <laughs> Let's just play that by ear because I think what I'll <laughs> okay. do is I'll give myself an A on every one, but then... At the end, it'll be like a C or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that one of the reasons why I hated this post when I originally wrote it is how generic it is. And that's not because it doesn't have value despite the fact that it's generic. But I felt like, well, you could probably substitute architect for nurse or grade school teacher or fireman or, or whatever. And these are all still pretty applicable reasons for why you may or may not want to choose this path. They're not so specific. At least that's the way I looked at it. Now, yeah, there are some things that are still pretty specific, though. I don't know. Maybe I was just trying to convince myself. Yeah, plug in the word consultant and it's all good. It still works. (laughs) I know. 
Yeah. Well, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is, you know, I had rules for myself when I wrote it and I only gave myself 30 minutes to come up with this list. That's not a lot of time. In fact, we'll probably talk about it longer tonight than I spent it, coming up with it. Spent right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So keep that in mind, right? Just keep that, you know, so everybody just tap the brakes a little bit before you go, yeah, that is a terrible list. Because you know what? I don't think it is a terrible list. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Yeah, I think it's interesting how some of these completely contradict <laughs> the last episode list in some ways. But we'll go. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So I'm going to start off with what it was, introduce it, and then we're going to go A+. plus. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's do yeah, this. Yeah. Let's be serious. People come to the show for, you know, our journalistic integrity. So let's be serious. Okay. Number one, the gene pool that is your social life will not have a lot of diversity. You know what? I just need to say this real quick. That sentence always bothered me because since I said gene pool, I feel like I should have said the gene pool that is your social life will not be very deep, right? Because pools are deep. You know, I go, it just- <laughs> Yeah, you're mixing metaphors I know there. it. Yeah, it drives yeah, yeah. me crazy, but that's what it is, so I'm not changing it. All right. So architects are typically friends with other architects, and I think that's because it's the only other people that they see because they spend so much time working. And it makes sense that you get close to your coworkers. And- And it also makes sense because your interests align closely. So you run into the same people because let's be honest, we don't stop being architects at five o'clock. So architects get together and they talk about architecture stuff. That seems to be how it is. And I will tell you that I know about 10 married couples who are both architects, which always blows my mind. Yeah, that's anyway. I don't get it. But I also don't know any lawyers who are married to lawyers. I do. And I wrote at the time. That I didn't know any doctors that were married to doctors. Mm. I do know one, but they got divorced. So I guess technically, I, I don't know if that what that means. But but certainly not to the extent that architects seem to marry one another. Interesting. I know a couple of attorney couples. And oddly enough, I know a couple of accountant couples. Wow. But. That sounds hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds lively, right? Like double accountant household. Ooh, man. Yes. Those math parties. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. All right. But I think that we concede. I bet you can come up with more architecture couples than you can doctor couples or lawyer couples or any other kind of couples, right? Actually, not me. Really? You can't? I don't know very many architecture couples. I know like four. I work in my own office. There are four. Just boom, right off the top of my head. There's four. Wow. And I'm sure if I spent some time thinking about it, I could probably come up with number five. But yeah, four. That's wild. That's wild. I don't understand that. But- to the point that your extracurricular life will mostly revolve around other architects, I think it's probably true of most things, right? I mean, I feel like if you're a nurse, most of your friends are probably nurses. Nurses. Like, I don't know. <laughs> they're nurse. They're nurses. Or if you're firemen, then they're firemen or attorneys are attorneys, right? I mean, I feel like a lot of professionals, that ends up being the case, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't disagree with it. I mean, I think it's true. I have other hobbies that involve me with people that aren't architects, but there's probably less communication between those folks, maybe, if that makes sense. It does. Well, I was thinking about the hobbies. I go, all right, so other than like your work friends, and then you got to go, hey, let's Thursday night, let's go do X. And you do that with the people that you know who (laughs) tend to be your architecture buddies. Yeah, we do X every Thursday. I mean, (laughs) we get tripped out. But here's the thing. Let's (laughs) say you have a hobby and your hobby is riding bikes. You know what? It's architects who ride bikes with other architects who ride bikes. Yeah, sometimes. But again, this is one of those ones that I go, you can fill in nurse, you can fill in school teacher, you can fill in one of them. And I go, I think this is kind of a universal. There might be some extremes to this, maybe, maybe. But, and maybe this is a small firm thing as well, because we all knew each other so well. We knew everybody's business. When we went and did something, we went and did it as a group. It was fairly constant. I mean, I'd say for the first five years I was out of school, 95% of all my friends were architects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I can't stand them. So I have hardly any architecture friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true at all, but I kind of wish it was. I think it just depends how many and how deep your hobbies are. Because I, mean, I think you could probably have a, a similar group of friends that are associated with your hobby. Yes. That might do that. But as an architect... 
typically we don't get to have a lot of deep hobbies, right? We might have one, but it's not, we have six. Yeah. Right? We don't have time have time for that. Yes. So, okay. So I'm going to say that this one is a solid C. This one's a C. Oh, you think? I might give it a B. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a B. I give it a B just for the mixed metaphor. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it's good. For blowing it. That should be points off. Okay. So it's not bad. It's not that great. Meh. Let's move on to number two. The pay and benefits are not as good as they could be. So I agree with that comment. And I've gone on record innumerable times to say how much that statement drives me bananas. Like architects kind of harp on it so much. Mm -hmm. But what I wrote is the part that I go, this is 100% wrong now. And what I wrote is, I have not tracked this information, but rather basing it on what I know from colleagues working in other architectural firms. A majority of architectural firms that I was aware of do not offer comprehensive benefit packages that would be considered standard in other professional industries. I'm talking about 401k programs, dental and vision insurance, ability to get long-term disability, flex spending accounts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've already written about the pay structure for architects. I went on to say, I feel lucky because I work in a small firm that was rare, like finding a live platypus in your toilet kind of rare, that offers most of those things. I'm not going to read the rest of it. The caveat to that really stems from where I was when I wrote it. And it is a small firm. And I do know of a lot of small firms that don't offer the same level of extensive benefits that larger firms do. I do know that to be true. But I kind of go, eh, I'm not sure that this one is completely accurate anymore either. I didn't work at a firm that had 401k matching programs until probably the last 50% of my career so far. The first handful of small firms I worked for, they didn't offer that. I couldn't get vision insurance and dental insurance. Yeah. I was on my wife's account. I didn't get any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think it it's limited in smaller firms, but I also think over the years, it's become more of an expectation Yes, that those things happen. And so- Probably now, even versus the 12 years ago that this was written, more small firms are providing at least some type of benefits package. Is it going to be as extensive as, you know, working at Gensler where we've got 12,000 employees or whatever? No. And you're required to provide those things? Yeah, yeah. But I think there are more smaller firms that are providing at least some sort of benefits package now. Yeah. So I'd say this one should not be on the list of reasons why not to be an architect, because the truth is, is now I think you pretty much can get most of the stuff almost anywhere you work. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's certainly better than it was 12 years ago. Yeah, I would say it's probably like 80% or more. Probably when you wrote this, it might have been 50% or less. Well, well, that's 37% made up math is what that is. Cause, I know. I mean, we don't know. But, it's 83% correct. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But yeah, I agree. I think generally it's probably not on the list. Yeah. I'm thinking, so this one gets a solid, this is another C for me. This one is. <laughs> oh, it's a C. I was going to go, it's an F. It's a dud. But okay. No, because it's not completely wrong. It's just, I'm not sure that if I was going to make a 10 list now, I'm not sure that this one would be within the first 10. It might be. I got you. Number 19 or something. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I got you. It's just not as right as it was 12 years ago. It's just not that valid. So I'm going to say not really in the top 10 anymore. Okay. I'll buy that. So I'm, I'm out of the gate strong. I've given myself two C's so far. All right. All right. Here we go. Number three on this list. The hours you work are long and undervalued. That's 100% on the list. <laughs> that one's still true. <laughs> right. There's. There's no question that that one's still true. And what I wrote was the time you spend working on a project in many regards is proportional to the quality of the end product. And it's very difficult to separate out the desire to create something with the business of how much time you have to create it. As a result, architects tend to work late hours developing scheme after scheme to evaluate different possible solutions. Most of the time, so much fee is burned up during schematic design and design development by the people who have the highest billing rates in the office, right? Which is like partners. They get to do all the fun mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm, yeah. This sounds like I was in a bad mood. I was mad at my bosses when I wrote this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like 
you guys spend all the money doing the easy, fun stuff in the beginning. And then it's like, hey, chop, chop back there in the back, move a little faster because mm-hmm. uh, we don't have any money left. And you're like, this is the biggest part of the scope of work. Yeah. Anyway. We spent 80% of the hours doing 20% of the work and now you've got to do the other 80 in the 20% time. Yeah. It's funny. I put some math in here because it kind of goes on about the billing rates and the production period of the projects compressed down into a calendar deadline, not a fee-based allotment of time. Mm-hmm. The difference is that the company doesn't pay you more for working an eight-hour day versus a 16-hour day, but they do pay rent on the space you occupy and the computer you use and the software on that computer. And and if there's 200 hours of time allocated to produce construction drawings at your billing rate, whatever that is, and you work eight hours a day, that's 25 days of time. If you work 16-hour days, that's slightly more than two weeks. And all the overhead associated with the person working in your position has essentially been cut in half. Great for them, sucks for you. I go, it's hazing for adults. That's what it is. <laughs> right? And, you know, it's funny when I wrote that. You were unhappy. I was clearly not happy. Yeah. It was something. But my recollection of where I was at the time when I wrote it, it's very positive. It's very favorable. So I'm not sure what kind of B I had in my bonnet, but I do think that this is still a correct statement. This is an A plus true statement. Yeah, I don't know. I do, but I think that maybe the intent that's coming through in what you wrote is probably not, to me, not right. I mean. No, it's still right. Oh, I don't know. What's not right? Okay, look, I don't know what's wrong with the idea that if you say, like what I pay you as an employer, what I pay you to work a day doesn't change. Yes. But if you work 16 hours versus eight hours, right, I get twice as much work out of you for the same amount of money. I mean, I'm paying you for two weeks worth of work, but I'm getting four weeks of work out of you. How is that not part of the long and undervalued opening statement? It is. I guess the way I'm looking at it, though, is I don't think that that, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't think you have to tolerate that maybe as much anymore as you had 10 years ago, if that makes sense. But I mean, I understand what you're saying. I guess what we should really try to connect it to is it's a personality trait, I think, for a lot of people. Like even in my current office, I have people right now, they're a hard 40. That's it. Yeah. Right? They show up, they do their job, they leave at 40 hours. They could be sitting next to somebody on their team who's literally dying and working 65 hours a week. And it doesn't it doesn't move the needle for them. Mm-hmm. Right? And then that person who's doing 65 hours a week. They're not doing it because someone's standing behind them going, you got to do it. You got to do it. This is your job's on the line. They're not doing that. That person's doing 65 hours because they're motivated to deliver a certain caliber of product that they feel they're only capable of providing if they work those kind of hours and they do it anyway. There is no, well, I'm going to show you. They're like, no, I can do better. It can be better. And if I put more time in, it will be better. And no one ever says, hey, wait a minute, you're working too much, so let us pay you appropriately to what you're providing. That never happens. That's true. That would never happen. I think there's way more employers out there that are more than happy to just stand back and let you do 65 hours a week and give you an attaboy for doing it because you think that's what's needed to deliver a superior product. Now- There's career advancement kind of considerations that come into that. I mean, I can look at the people in my office and go, you know who's loved the most at all is those sorts of people. Those people that personally like put a project on their back because they're like, "Ah, I'm going to make it great and I'm going to do what it has to take. Everybody recognizes that kind of effort and they love it. But at the same time, nobody like puts a scarlet letter on the 40 hour a week guy and holds them out as an example of what's bad. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not advocating that we should all work 65 hours a week. That was not my point. Yeah. My point was, is that you don't have a punch the clock kind of job. And when you know that the end product that you personally create is impacted directly by the amount of time that you put into it, it's really hard to just stop and go, no, that's good enough. That doesn't seem to be a trait that a lot of successful architects have. They don't have the, that's good enough. I'm punting out at this point. That I understand. Yeah. But in my position, that equates to just more weeks, not more hours a day. Does it make sense? 
that's where I'm saying that I, I look at it a little bit differently. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I just get too many emails from people talking about how they were just being ground to dust with the amount of time they spend. And it doesn't seem that everybody always has the ability to just extend their project out by yeah. an yeah. extra 30%. Yeah. So that one's definitely an A+. Plus. I'm giving myself an A+, plus on that one. Sounds like Andrew's giving me like maybe a B. <laughs> I don't know. I'm giving it an incomplete. <laughs> definitely not an incomplete. All right. So let's move on to number four. Man, this one's a tough one. <laughs> I just think it's because the word is rough. I mean, like the phrase is rough, right? This is such a... If someone said what... Okay. Yeah, look. I know. It's a, it's it's, a gut punch, man. It's like, bam. Yes. <laughs> if somebody said this to me and I was in my 20s, I might have cried. Yeah. It's so... Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. So let's just... Look, everyone's like, oh my God, I really got to hear it now. Just rip the Band-Aid. Just do it. Yes. This is harsh, everybody. So just, maybe I was in a bad mood. I don't know. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm having a hard time saying it. All right, here we go. <sighs> deep breath, deep breath. Here we go. Your ideals don't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> that should not be funny. It's not no. funny. It's yeah, so it's mean. Brutal. So mean. Okay, let me just put it out there. So this is what it says. Your clients hire you to give them a product that they want, not necessarily what you want. We basically go to school to learn how to learn. Architecture isn't a trade. And as a result, you should be equipped to design projects that aren't in the style of architecture that you would like to do for yourself. Okay, so far, I'm mm -hmm. on board with that. I still agree with that comment, right? Mm-hmm. Most projects are developed for profit. This is commercial projects specifically at this point. Most projects are developed for profit. And despite the fact that good design equals good solutions, which translates into a form of measured success, everybody, in this case, everybody means the client, wants more for less. There will be times when you're told to do something that you know is terrible and the absolute wrong thing to do. But based on your need for the work or through the force of your personality, or lack thereof, you will make concessions that will make you want to die. <laughs> right? Okay, so that's basically saying sometimes you take a job because you just need to keep the lights on. Right? I mean, that happens. Yeah, yeah. And you work with people that are not great clients all the time. Yeah, I would say that's not every client is great. And the other thing, the way I look at this is, you have to understand architecture is a service industry. It is a service profession. Yes. You are not doing the things for yourself, which I think is always the biggest transition from school to the profession, to the practice, because you're used to just doing everything that you want. It's your decisions that mean everything. And when you get into the workforce, that's not how it works. Somebody else is telling you how to weight your own decisions and what matters on projects. Yes. And I actually think as I've matured, I look at that as just another design parameter mm -hmm. at this point in my career. Yeah, it's another challenge. I don't look at it in the same way that I look at it 12 years ago. Yeah. It's just somebody goes, I want X and here's the time I have to do it and here's my budget. I go, okay, well, those are parameters. That's part of my challenge. So how can I solve this problem with those parameters? It's just another puzzle that we're going to work our way through. So that part doesn't really bother me. I will say that there are times when you go, hey, if we did this, this would be better, but it's going to cost more. And they go, no. Like there's this active disregard because the dollar is more important than the product. And a lot of architects don't think that way. Yeah. They think, hey, make less money and make a better product. Like that's a viable consideration for almost every architect that I've ever engaged with in my life. Mm -hmm. Like they are willing to do the, right thing, even though it personally damages them. They won't take jobs that they have moral conflicts with, even though they might desperately need it. It's just kind of built into the DNA of the person. And so if you have strong convictions about certain aspects of it, you're going to be told no a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and or the, the flip side of that is like, I always try to sneak things in like sustainability issues, because a lot of people, especially 10 years ago or whatever, 
nobody really cared about that stuff, but it's really important to me. So I sneak things in that nobody's going to care about that I'm requiring no VOC pain and no off-gassing sheetrock and all this kind of stuff. Nobody really notices that. And so you just do it anyway. That helps my ideals. But if I was to tell someone for some of my clients, hey, we're going to do this environmentally sustainable paint, they're going to be like, nope. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you just have to do it. So yeah, even if you can get those things in and you still meet their budget. Yeah. And then you go, hey, we're going to do this. And they're like, but wait, we could save a dollar by not doing it. All right, get rid of it. Yeah. I go, you're still under budget. No, nope, I could be more under budget. I know. That's the sort of thing. Yeah, one dollar on an eight million dollar project. Let's do it. Let's save that dollar. Yeah, that's, that's a dollar. Man. I know. So that story made me think of we worked with a guy who would buy two or three old houses that were on giant lots, and then he would raise them all, and then he would put a private cul-de-sac street in and turn those three giant lots into like eight, eight little yeah. weird mm-hmm. little tiny cul-de-sac triangle lots. Which I hated. And I mean, I, I thought this is destroying the fabric of our community. I yeah. could not yeah. stand it. And I was an employee and my employer worked with this guy and he paid well. And, and he goes, you're working with this guy. And I was like, I don't want to work with this guy. He is the devil. <laughs> Everything he does yeah. is against every fiber of my being. And he goes, well, that's not how this works. <laughs> Go work with the guy. <laughs> And so I would have to go with him. And he wasn't a bad human being. His ideals were, how much money can I make? I can do this. I need to make more money. About making money. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure you'd say, and the more money I make, then I can hire people like you to do it. And you make money. That's how the world works, Junior. I have no doubt that that conversation would have played like that out in his head. But like you, there were things that, like we would have to write these overlay districts, right? Like a special mm-hmm. special use permit, you know, to in order to change the rules that the city has for what we're allowed to do. Yeah. And the city would always ask for some sort of concession. Like, if we let you do this, you need to do that. And yeah. so I changed. I was like, hey, no material changes within four feet of an outside corner. City never said that. I put it in. Yeah. And he's like, wow, the city's really asking for more than they normally do. I'm like, God, the city, man, they're really tough. <laughs> yeah, the city's the worst. I made it so that you had to plant certain trees and certain number of trees. <laughs> and they couldn't be... Decorative trees. So I was like, Bradford pears, crepe myrtles, these do not count. They have to be hardwood trees. No. Yeah. And he's like, why are we putting in these expensive trees? And I was like, man, the city, I'm telling you, we got a really tough guy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't stay in that job very long for what it's worth. It didn't work out for me. So. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to say that that one still deserves to be on the list. Maybe it needs to be tempered back a little bit. Yeah, I think the main statement is a little harsh. I think there's probably some way to reword it that's not quite a gut punch of of a sentence. (laughs) Yeah, I need to soften that one up a little bit. So, okay, well, then hot on the heels of your ideals don't really matter (laughs) is number five, which is if your ideals are important to you, you're going to lose work. (laughs) And I was like, so clearly- I'm on a war path when I wrote this. Yeah, you were in a bad mood, man. I, you know, I didn't think so, but I haven't read this post in probably 10 and a half years. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like what? What's <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I, I was down by the beach when I wrote this too. This is the angriest <laughs> 30 minutes of your life, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Okay, so here we go. Because architects are opinionated, that's true point, they will argue for points that the client has clearly stated that they do not want. You're probably thinking that a clearly stated result while demonstrating the error in the alternative will win out. It doesn't always work that way. I have been fired by a client. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. (laughs) I can tell this story, too. I've been fired by a client while trying to fire them because I didn't want to have my name associated with the project. And the premise was, we're doing this terrible project. I don't want to give too much information because, I mean... The likelihood that they listen to this podcast is almost zero. Yeah. So I'm going to leave a bunch of details out. But they kept saying, we want this. It was the wife who's coming in. And we we're having this conversation. She's like, I want 14-foot ceilings. I wrote a blog post on it. It's called mm-hmm. scoreboard, right? Yeah. We use the phrase called scoreboard. And she would say, I want 14-foot ceilings. They were, And I was like, that's a bad idea, right? Like the size of this room doesn't make sense. She's like, everywhere. I was like, hallway coat closet. She's like. 14 feet. I was like, this room is 10 feet by 11 foot. She's like, 14 foot. I was like, wait a minute. 
like, we want to have conversations. And she's like, look, this is what it's got to be. So she just kept ramming all these things down. It turns out her friend had built a house. And so she was just trying to scoreboard her friend. What? You got 12-foot ceilings? Say 12-foot ceilings, yeah. I'm going to put 14 in. (laughs) And so I went into my boss's office and I was like, we need to not have this project in the office. I go, we don't want our name on it. It's a piece of garbage. There's so many decisions that we would never make. And it had glass block in it, right? And I was like, uh, no, 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 no. Like they gave us like, here, we want you to recreate this bathroom that we have. And I was like, it's got glass block in it. And like a shower that has five sides on it. Like we're starting from scratch. We can solve this problem. So you don't need glass block. Yeah, way better. And you don't need a five-sided shower, right? Like We can solve this so much better. And she's like, I really like it. I go, well, why is the glass block there now? She goes, well, there's a golf cart right outside of our bathroom window. And I go, yeah, you don't have a golf cart outside of your bathroom window in this house, right? We do not need to do this solution that you're forcing us. So I was like, we need to dump them. And I went in there and I just exploded in my boss's office. And so my boss was super cool. She goes, all right, fire them. Get them in the office. And let's fire them. I'm with you. Let's do it. Fire them. So I send an email and I'm like, hey, when do you guys come in the office? Because we want to go over some information. And the husband goes, I'm busy. I can't come in. Just deal with my wife. And I go, well, we really want you both to come into this one. It's an important one. And he's like, I'm, my calendar is jammed. I do not have time. My wife can handle everything. You do not need me there. And I was like, yeah, we do. For this meeting, we do need you here. And it's not time critical, so we can wait. And he goes, you know what? You don't listen. You're fired. And I was like, wait, no, we were going to fire you. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so like, I went to my boss's office and I was so upset. I was like, man, I didn't get, they were terrible and I wanted to fire them. She goes, well, you got what you wanted. Like, we're not on the job anymore. And I go, this is the most unfulfilling, (laughs) successful moment I've ever had in my life. (laughs) The resolution I wanted, but it's not how I wanted to get there. Yeah. So I think that's a funny story. I mean, I didn't think it was funny at the time, but the premise of this was we had someone who was just forcing stuff down our throat and we're like, you know what? We can't do this. This is bad. This is wrong. This is inappropriate. We don't want my name on it. And the only way that we can handle that situation is by losing the job. Like saying, okay, we're not going to work on this job anymore. Now, I would have preferred if we fired them, but the result's still the same. We lost the project. We were not going to have this project anymore because our ideals in this case were important to us. I think this is true to this day, to this day. And a lot of the projects that I see come through my office, through my friend's office, through like a lot of people, you get asked to do things sometimes you go, this is the wrong thing to do. And if you draw a line in the sand, a lot of times you could lose the job. Or if you tell people what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear, you don't get hired. It just happens. It's kind of just comes with the territory. And I would say also that even at some point, it keeps you from getting jobs. Not even losing ones you have, but getting jobs that you want sometimes. Oh, yeah. Because if you stick to your ideals and you're adamant about whatever it is, you can miss out and not be chosen because you're already up front telling people how you feel and what you believe about things and they don't agree. And so you don't get the job. Yeah. That happens a lot as well if you're going to stick to your guns. You know what? I agree with all that, but that doesn't mean it should be on a list of why you should not be an architect. So that whole thing is true, but the only kind of connection for why it would make you not want to be an architect is that you don't have any work and you go to business. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, like that the fact that your personal position on things in the universe are why you don't take a project or do. That's true for a lot of professions. Yeah, sure. Right. But doctors will still like, save the life of a criminal because that's what they Mm -hmm. do. Because that's what they have to do. They don't get that choice. Sometimes you've got to make that same decision as an architect to just be like, well, I'm just going to swallow this one and move on. So I'm going to say that this one is still correct. I'm not sure it would fall on the list of one to 10 or one to 20, but I'm going to give myself a B. I still think it's, I still think it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Okay. You don't sound convinced, but that's okay. Well, if it's not in the top 20, I don't know how it gets a B, but that's that's fine. No, I didn't say I didn't say it wasn't top 20. I said I don't know if it's, you know, within the top 10 or the 20. Like is it number 14 on my list now? Oh, okay. Now, these aren't number 5 isn't number 5 in terms of order. It's just just kind of blocked together. Yeah, yeah, no, I know I got you. All right. Number 6. 
not all architects have fun jobs. Again, not all teachers have fun jobs. Not all firemen have yeah, not fun all, jobs. Not all doctors have fun, have fun yeah. jobs. Not all grocery store attendants have yeah. fun jobs, right? So super generic. And the thing is, is I go, uh, I definitely look at this differently now than when I wrote it. But what I wrote was maybe glamorous is a better word than fun. I'm sure that 95% of the time you spent in your design studios at school was about design and not about construction detailing or project management or communication or shop drawings or billing or whatever, whatever. Very few architects 10 years down the road into their careers are designers. Most are project architects. The role of project architect can be very rewarding, but there will be aspects to that job that you never imagined that could be so tedious and boring. Like just talking to structural engineers. This is one great example. <laughs> I haven't made fun of structural engineers in a while, so I feel like I need to throw that in there. So anyway, the only analogy I can think of to describe it is building a car so you can drive down the street. A lot of work goes into creating buildings. I don't think that that really comes across the way. I mean, it's like, I want to go down the street, so I'm going to put all this time and effort to build a car just so I can drive down the street. And the comparison is, I'm going to spend a lot of time creating this building, but very little of that time is spent on the design. I will tell you, the reason I wrote this is because most people come out of school, at least at my perception at that time, was they come out of school thinking they're going to be designers. The reality is, is few people come out of college and actually find success as, as a true, like, dedicated designer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I don't know if schools tell people that anymore. Like, do they, they didn't say that to me. Yeah, they didn't say it to me either. I say that, but I'm hitting a small percentage of students most of the time. So I don't know if other professors tell them that or not, but I'm sure they don't get told enough. But here's the flip side of that. Now I look at it, I can look in the office of 100 plus people we have now. And if I just block off the five years and under folks, I would say, most of them do not want to be designers. Some do, most don't. Like mm. they want to go into production. They want to go into the project architect route. They don't want to design. Interesting. And I was like, that was not my perception when I came out of school. And I don't know if it's just like, if you go to a certain type of school, does that mean you think you're this type of person? And then there's that awakening that happens when you actually graduate as opposed to- yeah. If you go to some other school and everybody comes out thinking they're all going to be project architects, I would think that that plays some sort of role. But the reason I point all that out is those people, if you're going to think that your job is fun, it's not predicated on whether you design. That's what's wrong about that statement. That statement is written as if you're not designing, then you're doing a tedious job. And that's just not true. That's not true at all. This is an F for me. <laughs> I think it goes back to something we talked about last episode. It's just you got to find your jam. And for you, your jam is, well, it's going to be fun. I mean, that may be writing specifications. You may think that's awesome. And that's exactly right. 12 other people may think it's horrible. But there's plenty of room for you to find what you consider to be fun about architecture. And it doesn't necessarily have to be design. Yeah, that's where that one missed it. And I do think, since I said maybe glamorous is a better word, that would really change that sentence. Not all architects have glamorous jobs. That is true. Hmm. That is still sure. like when someone goes, you're an architect. Oh, they go, you're an architect. I want to be an architect. They're not thinking that they're writing specs. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're thinking about creating buildings. That's what everybody thinks of. And I think that the immature view of things for someone who is younger going into the profession or going into college, I think most of them don't go into it thinking, I want to be a production drafter. That's not what's in their head. Yeah. Maybe it is. Yeah. But the reality is, is that you might love that. I know lots of people that love it, and that's what they want to do. So that's why this one misses the mark, because it paints an erroneous picture, and I don't like it anymore. Gotcha. Agree. Yeah. F. All right. I did way better on the reasons to be an architect than on the reason to not be an architect. I'm glad that I've put so much misinformation out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now, just as a little point of reference, I was a dedicated residential architect at this point in my life, right? So number seven is the house you live in will depress you. And you know what? That's true. I was going to say, I don't think that matters if you're residential or not. <laughs> it's well, true. Well, there are 
the people that don't really look at it from a design standpoint, like their eye is not the same as my eye. And the things that I look at and go, what is that? That should align. Like that's crazy. Yeah. They don't see that kind of stuff. And as a result, they don't have the same sort of like walking in and going, oh God, what is that? I can't, I can't live in this house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. If I see the only time you can put a 45 degree angle in a house is if there's two of them right next to one another. That's a little geometry humor for you if you're mm-hmm. slow to keep up. 90 degrees. Yeah, I got you. I don't want a pantry that's got a 45 degree angle going through it. Yeah. Or a closet or a bathroom or any of those yes. other instances Fail. where you can get a, in builder grade homes. There's a 30, 60, 90 happening somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I have no doubt. So I think I'm on house like number seven or eight, none mm. of which I've designed. But I will tell you that I 100% walked into houses when I was like looking to buy a house. And I walked in, I went, nope, and turned around and walked <laughs> immediately out. Yeah. And 95% of it could be fine, but it had something I was like, you know what? I can't get past that. Mm-hmm. Like I, this, no, like you have coins, like fake brick coins on the side. Never, never would happen. I would never buy yeah. a house that had coins on it. So, so I go, all right, well, I think particularly for people like me, who at that time designed houses for a living. And this also goes back to the, you can't afford what you know. Like I'm designing houses that are way above my pay scale, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I know what the good stuff is and I know my house doesn't have it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I will tell you the number of arguments that I've gotten into with my wife because she goes, you make everything so much harder. And I go, it all ties together. Like if I'm going to solve this problem, I have to solve these other four. Like how can I not... They're all related. She's like, yeah. no, 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 just do that. And I go, I can't. I got to fix both of them. Like they're yin and yang. They go together. She's <laughs> like, God. So as yeah. a result, you don't fix any of them. Mm. So I'm going to say that one's still on point. No, I agree. That one's still on point. All right. So we only got three more. Yeah. And so number eight is you will live with terrible decisions. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I haven't read the paragraph or how to explain that one yet. And I'm kind of like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Gut punch number two. Bam. You will live with terrible decisions. So what I wrote was the nature of architecture includes and sometimes requires experimentation. All right. I know where I'm going with this now. And as a result, you will make decisions that are really bad and you will have to live with knowing that your terrible idea is ruining people's lives all day, <laughs> every day. That sounds like hyperbole. <laughs> it's a little dramatic, but yeah. Did you know you had that kind of power to ruin people's lives all day, every, every day? day? <laughs> yeah, man. All right. The good news is that buildings seem to be disposable now, and it'll only be a matter of time before your mistake is corrected by somebody else. Ouch. Oh, yeah. The projects you do that are good will also be disposable and shortly <laughs> torn down to make way for yet another branch bank. Man, mm. you may you had something, and you had something stuck in your craw this day, Big man. Big glass of vinegar is what I had. Yeah. Woo. <sighs> Essentially, though, I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, I don't disagree with it. It's just a delivery. It's just a delivery. I mean, it's harsh. But yeah, I mean, you, you make bad decisions. I think the difference to that is you don't realize they're bad decisions when you're making them. The problem is, is you don't realize until it's done and constructed how bad of a decision it actually was, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no. And it's too late. Now you just try not to repeat that mistake next time. Yeah. And you know what? I will also concede that probably if I just take the last hundred decisions that I've made that I was like, that was a bad decision on my part of the last hundred, I bet nobody except me even recognizes 95 of them, right? That's like- I look at it, I go, that was a missed opportunity, or that didn't work out the way I thought it would, or that piece of wood really should have been a half inch shorter. I mean, like the kind of granular minutia that I get into when I design projects and I look at them later, it's profound. I could take the best project I ever did and point out a hundred things that I don't like about it. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, and I don't know if this is just a Bob Borson thing, or if it's a designer thing, or just an architect thing, my favorite house. I will point out all the bad things. That's what will go through my head before the first good thing comes through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, the, oh, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. That's what I dwell on. Well, I mean, most architects, I think, are critical by nature, right? That's kind of what gets reinforced in us during our education. And some people gravitate and stick with it more than others. But, yeah, I don't disagree that it's easy for me to dwell on and point out the mistakes of something that everybody else would say, oh, that's fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, but, but, but. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to say that one, super dramatic, so points off, or maybe points on for the drama. <laughs> it's still worthy of being on the list. It's still there. Yeah. I go, I'd still put that on my list. All right, number nine. Architecture requires a lot of work and dedication. Facts. That's still true. Mm -hmm. But why would that be on a list for why you shouldn't be an architect? So what I wrote is architects go to school for a long time take a lot of demanding tests, and have to work for years to gain the experience to call themselves an architect. There are a lot of other jobs that if you were to put in the same level of time and singularly minded dedication, you would be much further along in your development. And it's like, please note that I didn't say that you'd be making more money because we've already rung that bell. I'm not going down that path anymore. This is about putting in your time and paying your dues to develop the skill to practice architecture. I'd like to think that most architects are pretty bright, and if they wanted to be a doctor or lawyer, they could have been a doctor or a lawyer. And if you wanted to be a lawyer, go get a four-year degree, then three years of law school, take a test, and boom, you're a lawyer. And I go, seven years, and you're done. And it took me six years, a 207-degree hours, just to get my bachelor's, and I did all kinds of crazy stuff. I worked for six years before taking the ARE. There was nine tests when I took it, and I did, you know, arrow in my quiver, did pass them all on the first time. I still say that with pride. And I was rewarded after my six years of school and 207 degree hours and six years of work. I got my license. You know what I got? You know what I got at that moment? A healthy raise of zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, you yeah. really better want to be an architect. And I did, and I knew it when I was five years old. But then again, five-year-old don't know much, so maybe you should reevaluate that from time to time. <laughs> it's a long process, yeah. Yes. You know what? And I'd say still worthy of being on the list because a lot of people, I think when they start that journey, I don't think a lot of people understand just how hard and how long and how expensive it is to actually become an architect. I don't think that people know that. I don't think the people that are going to become architects, the people that are going to college to be an architect, even understand that. Yeah. Maybe they do more so now because social media and- Yeah. 1986 when I went to college, zero. I didn't even know how many years I was going to be in school. I think that nowadays that time frame is attempting to be shortened and it can be shorter. Yes. I don't think the education part of it, but the experience and testing part can be shorter. It can be truncated. I still think- at a minimum, it's seven years of work, school and all that. I think that's pretty much going to be a standard expectation at a minimum. But I think most people are probably, even today, fairly ahead of schedule if they get it done in about eight or nine. Well, I will tell you. So we have a young woman who works in my office. She's on my team. 100% of her time is spent working on my stuff. Yeah. She just passed her last architectural registration exam. She's got all our hours in. Just turned 25 years old. She missed it by two weeks. Yeah. So that's seven years. Yeah. She got the final notification. I go, she got on it. And so there are ways now for people who are of singularly focused direction. She passed all her tests except for one the first time around. Every lunch break, I would see her studying at her desk for these tests. She's a goal-oriented person. It's one of the things I love about her. I mean, she's she's really smart. She's really thorough. She's like... Eyes on the prize. So at 25 years old, you could be a licensed architect. That's mm -hmm. five years faster than I did it. Yeah. Well, like I say, even back when we did it, you couldn't even start to earn those experience hours until you had a degree. You weren't getting any of that while you were in school, and now you can get experience hours in school. Yeah. Well, you also couldn't take the test until you'd gotten all your experience. Had all your hours done. Yeah. And now those overlap too. So, I mean, it's getting shorter, but it's still... A considerable commitment of your time. Yes. 
So still on the list. Still, that's an A+. Yeah. All right, number 10, final one on the list. You probably won't be a designer. I'm not sure that should be on the list for reasons why you should not, because not everybody wants to be a designer. If you want to be a designer, yes, that should be on your list. (laughs) But if, if you don't care if that's not where your jam is, then obviously this doesn't matter. And we kind of already talked about it. In my class, when I went to UT, everybody thought they were going to be a designer. Like literally every single person. And the truth is, of the people that I still stay in touch with, I don't think any of them are like dedicated designers. Not a single one of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have people like me that kind of do design work. I, I still design every single day, but it's not all I do. And we do have roles in our office. You know, they're called project designers. All they do is design projects. It's not me. I'd get bored. I had that job once when I worked at RTKL back in the 90s. That's all I did. And I hated it. And I hated it because they would come in, they'd give me a task, and they'd say, design this facade, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I would sketch it, and I'd draw it out, and I'd turn it at the end of the day, and they'd go, next project. Boom. Do this. I mean, all I did was design. I didn't draw it. I didn't detail it. I never saw anything get built. I don't know that anything ever did actually did get built. I hated it. I didn't like it. And I only lasted that job for a year. And I know for some people, they think that would be their dream job. It wasn't my dream job. But for people who want to be a designer, statistically, you probably won't be a designer. Yeah. I've always equated it to if you're a college athlete becoming a pro athlete. There's a small percentage or whatever, 5% or something that that happens to. It's the same for being an architecture student and then getting to be a designer for your career. It's a pretty small percentage of yeah. folks that actually make that transition. Yeah. And like you say, it's you have to really want to be able to do it. And I also feel like, in a way, there's a certain amount of disconnect from the rest of everything else. I myself, I mean, I've never found fulfillment in that either, right? I mean, that's actually one of my least favorite activities. I'd rather put the pieces together that somebody else crumpled a piece of paper for me and let me figure out how to actually make it something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a minimal chance, but if that's what you want to do, then there are certain paths you need to take, but also realize that it's a rough road. The light at the end of the tunnel for that one is you might discover along the path that there's something that you like more. The fact that if you're young and you're still in school and you think this is what you're going to be and you just heard someone say, statistically, you're not going to be a designer, you're like, well, crap, why am I putting in all this time? Why am I in year four of of what will be a six-year journey? Why would I do this if you're telling me that I'm not going to be able to do it? Well, you might be able to do it. You might be that person. But even if you're not, the chances are you're going to discover something that you're even better at. And most people actually enjoy doing what they're good at as opposed to, like, I love the thing that I'm not that good at or not as good as I thought I was. So it's still not a end of the line kind of position to take. So if you're not a designer, doesn't mean that you're not going to find something that's truly your calling. Yes. And I would say also the flip side of something we always talk about, right, is that in reality, in the practice of architecture, design is everywhere. Yes. Just because you're not the big form gesture designer doesn't mean you're not designing every day. That is 100% true. In the work that you do. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that's something we harp on a lot because- The people detailing the building, they're the ones that make the building go from good to great. Yeah. Their ability to process something like they make a thousand more design decisions than the white paper big gesture guy. Yep. So, okay. So there it was. That was the 10. And given the fact that I think I gave myself an F, a couple of C's, and a couple of A pluses, I'm going to say I pulled out a B. (laughs) I'm so shocked. Angry Bob gets a B. Aren't you surprised <laughs> that it wasn't an A minus? <laughs> no, uh uh-uh. uh. I think it's solid. I think some rephrasing would help, but the general concept of some of most of them is still fairly on point. Yeah. Yeah. Well it just may be less angry this time around. I know. I'm so angry. <laughs> and maybe it's just because you were at the beach and you were having to write about but it was just all these things combined or something. I don't know. Maybe well, you had a crab in your shorts. I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you, I was in a hotel at the beach writing oh, this blog post. Well, yeah, Maybe that's I wonder. why. Yeah, just you're like, I know, but I was I was in the same hotel writing the top ten reasons why you should be an architect. Yeah, but I don't know. This was thirty minutes know. to be angry. 
<laughs> I know. It was an intense 30 minutes, apparently. All right. So let's move on to the the last segment of today's show. Well, we know that everybody really wants, even though this was a hot episode. So the would you rather. This seems almost like an angry, <laughs> an angry <laughs> would you rather too. I'm kind of wishing this was not the one that I put in here. But, uh, you know, it's in here and we're going to do it. So here it is. Yeah. Would you rather be criticized or ignored? Before you answer. Yeah, give me some stipulations here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only two pieces of information that I think I want you to go into this. I asked this question to five people. Mm -hmm. Four of them chose the same answer. And I was like, man, maybe it's too obvious. Maybe there really is only one answer, but then number five chose the other one. And I was like, okay, maybe that saved it. But the other consideration as I went, it's not nonstop. So you're not choosing to be criticized nonstop or to be ignored nonstop. It's just, if you're going to elicit a reaction, would you rather that reaction be to be criticized or would you rather that reaction to be ignored? That's what that's about. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm going to go with criticized, quite honestly, because I'm getting feedback, I guess. If it's a situation where one of those two things could happen, I would rather get some criticizing done because I, I think that's part of what I do anyway. I don't, I don't necessarily always take criticism as a negative thing, as a standard occurrence. So I would say criticism, getting criticized would be okay. Getting ignored might be worse because then I would have no idea what the other person was feeling or thinking, right. which would drive me even crazier, quite honestly. Like that would make me probably more angry than me telling some story or giving a whole presentation and somebody going, nothing, you know, crickets walking out. Yeah. As opposed to telling me, well, that wasn't that great. You could have fixed this, could have fixed that. Da, 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 right. I mean, yeah. to me, that's probably more what I want. I mean, over time, it, it might wear me down if I never got any, <laughs> any positive stuff, but it doesn't say anything about positive. Yep. It doesn't say I'm not going to get positive. It just says I'm going to get criticized versus ignored. So yes. I'm going to go with criticized. Okay. I think that that's, in my mind, that's the only answer. That has to be the right answer. But you chose your reason, which I'm well aware of that reason. That was a reason that was in my head. But it wasn't my initial reason why mm. I chose criticize. And I'm almost saying this because you'll have fun with it because you'll go, of course, of course, that's the way you thought about it. <laughs> I thought that I would rather be criticized rather than ignored because I can just think that person's stupid. <laughs> Oh, there you yeah. go. Right. So I still, I still leave the room feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling good about myself. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I guess now, true. Yeah. I, I pivoted from that almost immediately. I'm look, I'm being vulnerable right now, Andrew. And I'm telling you that that was what popped into my head immediately. <laughs> like immediately. Like I don't yeah. have to agree with you. Like I don't yeah. mind if people disagree with me because I don't have to agree with I don't care. Yeah. I don't ever. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm old enough now to where I kind of go, I believe what I believe, and I'm open to you changing my mind, but I'm not going to change my mind just because you, you were mean or you mm -hmm. disagreed with me. I, you know, I'm, I'm past that point. Yeah. The ignored part is not because I have some need for attention, which is the other thing that I thought maybe you might go, oh, you don't want to be ignored because you feed off of the attention. That's actually <laughs> not what it is. Yeah. The reason I don't want to be ignored is because it makes me anxious. It makes me anxious, like I'm waiting for the feedback mm -hmm. and not getting it, I think would be mm -hmm. maddening. It's kind of like mm -hmm. sending a text that you don't get a response. <laughs> you're like, like, you're like, could be nothing. Hey, do you want soup for dinner? And then nothing. That drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. And I go, I would rather someone go, gross, soup is disgusting. Why would anybody, so you're an idiot. Yeah. I'd much rather get that than be sitting around. Looking at my phone every three minutes, waiting for a response as to whether or not we should have soup for dinner, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think that I take criticism pretty good when it's constructive. I don't take it when it's just critical for the sake of being critical or being mean. Right. I don't want that kind of criticism. But yeah, I think from a healthy self image and from a good mental place to be in, I think you have to choose criticism because you grow from criticism. 
Right? Like that's part of the process we go through school. You know, the idea is that you stand up, present your ideas, somebody gives you a counterpoint, you discuss why you did what you did in the manner that you did it, and somebody just kind of goes, All right. Like, like that's so deflating. Yeah, and you go, You're stupid, but okay, thank you. But if somebody goes, No, I think you've missed the mark, you should have done this, and I go, Well, I disagree. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I'd just kind of internalize it, but but yeah, that's an escape patch I think that I would have to mentally protect myself <laughs> if I'm just getting criticized all the time. So. Yes, I agree. Like no feedback would be almost worse because I, I think I would probably take it as you think so poorly of this that you won't even comment. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, this is so bad. You don't you can't even muster words. And I would just be like, oh, that's worse. Yes. It's like apathy. Apathy is so terrible. Mm hmm. Yeah, I had a friend of mine in college once. He was in this fight with his girlfriend. And I was like, oh my God, how can you do it? You guys fight all the time. He goes, it's passion. He was a weird guy that way. Mm -hmm. And when he says, if I want to really drive her crazy, he goes, I ignore her. Apathy is like, when she gets nothing from me, that is more- Infuriating, yeah. Of an attack than if I argue mm -hmm. with this person. Yeah. It's resonated with me. that So anyway- so there you go. Critical. We're both choosing to be criticized rather than ignored. Yep. A plus answers. For <laughs> that matter. Yeah. Okay. We've been at it long enough, so I'm going to call it a wrap. Thank you for being with us today for episode 93, Top 10 Reasons Not to Be an Architect. Special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to subscribe to the podcast? Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast player of choice so you can get alerted every time there is an awesomely new episode. While you're there, please consider leaving us a comment, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star, I still want to be an architect rating. To get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for posts, links, and info about this glorious episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your own voice and join the conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>